0: Everyone is talking about the fire movement. It's literally everywhere. The fire is spreading. Okay, that's a horrible pun. But it's one of the latest things to take over the internet. And Jimmy and I aren't exactly fans. So let's go talk about why. And I'm sure we're going to get roasted about this one on the internet. Okay, another horrible pun. Let's get going. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation. But it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan and welcome back to the show. I've got Jimmy here. Jimmy, say hi. Hey, guys. And we are back for another Wednesday segment, and we'll be discussing the fire movement and why Jimmy and I really aren't fans of it. Now, before the hate mail comes in and we we know it's coming, let's hit up that all-important disclaimer.
1: All right. So this show is not personalized financial advice for you. In fact, this is for entertainment purposes only and should be seen as general education. Neither of us can give you any specific advice on your financial situation through the show. So if you aren't a do-it-yourself financial guru, you should consult an attorney, CPA, or a fee-only financial planner like Ryan before you go and make any big money decisions. So Ryan, we're talking about fire and we're talking about, well, why we don't necessarily love it so much. And you know, I I guess that could be a little bit of a misnomer because there are parts of fire that we like and parts of fire that we don't, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll get in the parts we like, but let's start this off with a, a bang here.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing because I think this gets tied in all together. So financial independence, retire early is the acronym for fire for the one or two people that may have not heard that acronym yet. And I think what happens is, is that people talk about financial independence a lot. And even in that conversation, the automatic assumption nowadays, because of how widespread this FIRE is, that financial independence can only be talked about in the light of early retirement. And I actually had this happen recently. So I was in a meeting with somebody and and they mentioned to me that they had heard a couple of uh, conversations or complaints that I talk a little too much about early retirement. I just kind of found it hilarious because in fact, I almost never talk about early retirement. I talk about being able to retire and having the freedom that that provides financially, but I don't talk about retiring early. In fact, I've written lots and lots and lots about not liking the early retirement aspect of this and how I plan on continuing to practice medicine because I love it for the most part. You know, I, I found that interesting that that these two things are kind of intrinsically linked at this point because this conversation is so big. But I think that for me, one of the biggest problems with this is that I'm in academics. And so I teach residents and medical students who, no matter how successful they are, are likely 10 or 12 years away from that early retirement, even if they have a a well-laid out plan. And so what that really does in my world is produce a lot of stress and anxiety and lack of contentment for today. That's a lot of the you know, parts that I deal with and trying to avoid that conversation because it's, it's just, it's not necessary or probably even right to talk to, you know, for trainees. They should know what it is, but I'm not going to preach it to them.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with people knowing and understanding what it is. But I, I think of the FIRE movement in extremes. And that's the part that it really bugs me is because I love the fi, and I hate the RE. Financial independence, I love the RE, the retire early, I don't like. Mm-hmm. And I look at it from a physician standpoint, I'd say the vast majority of you listening didn't get into medicine to be rich. Maybe there's a few of you, there probably are, but the vast majority didn't get in to be rich. You're there to actually, you know, that's your calling. You want to serve, you want to help, you want to take care of people. And if everyone's trying to get into medicine to be rich, no one would be in peds. We would not see any pediatricians or family family practice like it just wouldn't exist. Everyone would want to be, you know, super highly compensated dermatologists, as an example, which I know is competitive. So I look at it as it, the retire early piece it's ridiculous you're not trying to do sacrifice all the time effort money you know blood sweat and tears you know all the joys and pains to get through training med school come out being attending and then be like and i want to retire in five years like why go through all of that
1: and I think that's challenging nowadays, man, because because burnout is such a big problem. You know, I think that a lot of people get there, they have all the debt and then they don't love the job as much as they thought they would. And so they're, they're just trying to look for an escape or an option out. And so I think that early retirement often becomes part of that discussion. It, it's, it's interesting because there are other answers outside of early retirement and it's not the end all be all. And I think that there are lots of people that end up retiring early and find out, oh, this isn't everything I thought it was cracked up to be. This was supposed to be the dream and the reason and what I've been working for. And then they get there And you're like, oh, I'm still not happy. Yeah, the
0: grass is always greener somewhere, right? And that might have been like, oh, you know, it's the the DWT done with training. When we get done with training, the light at the end of the tunnel, like we're almost there, right? And you get there and you're like, oh, I guess I'll start quote unquote my career. And this is still really hard and demanding. But I think there's a job out there for everyone. And you might not be in it the first. Half dozen times, I'd hopefully say you get better at interviewing and asking the right questions and making sure you prioritize what you really like, but we're not in a job for 30, 40 years. It's not like you pick one and and you're stuck.
1: Yeah. And and that's particularly true nowadays where over 50% of physicians change jobs, the first job you know, in the first two years. So that is almost certainly true for the majority of physicians out there listening to this. They've probably considered changing jobs or already have changed jobs.
0: Which is also a reason why I tell residents and new attendings don't go buy a house, especially a big, quote-unquote, doctor house and spend all the money because you probably aren't going to be there that long until you find out what it is you really like. In the corporate world, right, you've got the normal... Monday through Friday, nine to five kind of idea. And I know that that's not the same for physicians, but it is somewhat the same in that structure. If you really hate getting up and going to work on your Monday and you really are excited for your weekend, right? And that Friday afternoon comes and you're stoked, right? You got time with the kids or whatever you're doing. That means that you really hate 64% of your life from Monday to Friday afternoon. And that is a horrible way to live. Life is way too short. I definitely don't have to tell everyone listening to this how short it really is. Because uh, you guys see it firsthand, but we tend to ignore that when we're looking at our day to day. Right? We forget to look at the forest. We look at the individual trees.
1: I was listening to a uh, a radio show. My wife and I are going to go couch shopping. Actually, on the way there, this guy came on, and his name is Ken Connor. I think maybe he's part of Dave Ramsey's team. And I'm not a Dave Ramsey fanboy, for the record. Just physician advice isn't always spot on there. But all your podcasts are Dave Ramsey solutions. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Exactly. Every single episode, in fact. Yeah. So it, it was, and I could go on and on about that, but this guy was talking about finding the sweet spot for people's jobs and, and he kind of broke it down into discussing the three things that you're good at, that you have high, highly skilled values at, and then what you're passionate about and finding that sweet spot between those two things. It was really interesting to listen to a bunch of people call in and basically say that from Monday to Friday afternoon, they weren't doing what they were passionate about, whether they were good or not at it. And they really were looking for a change or something different. And I feel like a lot of physicians really could relate to that message that this isn't the job. And then they feel trapped. You know, we're not raised or trained or otherwise taught how to be entrepreneurs and really think through these problems and find that job that you're describing.
0: But you don't have to be an entrepreneur to realize that something is wrong and that you need to make a change. And that's kind of where I view burnout. Now, granted, I'm not in, you know, the EMRs. I'm not pressured by admin. So I I can only say from being married to, this, how I can see this. And then obviously working with hundreds of physicians, you know, so I get the the secondhand story, but I know burnout is real, but I think it's there to tell you something is really wrong with what you're doing. That might be your career and you might need a job change. Maybe it's just getting your stuff together and, and realizing that like, Hey, my finances aren't healthy. I need to tackle this because if I didn't have to Pick up that extra call or several calls, Mm. or I didn't have to take those shifts and need the money to live, then I would probably be happier even in the same job that I'm in. I just maybe work too much, right? It's there to tell you, hey, it's a reaction. Like it's there to tell you, like, hey, this isn't right. Yeah. And I know there's external factors. There's always external factors that influence me, you, everyone around us, right? We can't help what Trump tweets or what China thinks or whatever, but it's going to impact our finances. But we don't stress about that day to day. We look at it and go, what can I control? I can control how much money you know, goes out. Technically, I can control how much money goes in. If I want to stop working, it stops coming in. Right. So focus on those pieces.
1: I mean, burnout can kind of serve as a bit of a barometer, you know, in terms of how bad things are. And, you know, and I think that the issue is obviously, and we've talked about this before, that the major causes of burnout are systemic or systematic and they're not the doctor's fault, but there are individual ways to try to battle back with, you know, financial independence. But that doesn't mean you have to escape medicine altogether. There are, you know, potentially jobs out there. There are options. There are things that you could consider to make your position or your situation better, despite the fact that that is not going to solve burnout. The, you know, the doctor is not going to solve burnout on their own because it's not the it's not the doctor's problem. It's the system's problem.
0: But on the on the flip side, you know, as the outsider again, you know, I know plenty of physicians that love, truly love what they do. And and this is across all specialties. They truly love what they do. They're in really good jobs. And I know ones that are in their exact same field or or specialty that absolutely hate it. Right. But they're not working at the same place. They may live in different states. They may be academic versus private practice. Like it could be all across the board. There is ways to make you happy in your career. And yeah, admin, EMRs, all that stuff, it all stinks. I get it.
1: And the more that you focus on early retirement while you're in the middle of that sort of thing, the more contentment it's going to steal. So it makes it impossible to be happy with where you currently are in your job and and finding the good in it, or you know, because your constant focus is on the exit door, you know. And when we focus on the end, and you know, not the journey, that really can become unhealthy. And, and I'm speaking from personal experience there. Like when I when I found this stuff, I was like, wow, this is really pretty cool. Provides a ton of leverage and opportunity, and I don't have to necessarily be stuck in a job if I. Ever to you know start hating it but then i started realizing how far away that is you know we're saving six figures a year and and even despite that because i don't want to retire on beans and rice you know that number for us is still 10 or 12 years away and that's fine so what i did instead was started pulling back a little bit and taking a little more time off and potentially extending my career to increase my satisfaction and my contentment right now instead of going the other way and going full bore saving as much as i possibly can you know while we're you know barely getting by with you know enjoying today and so you know, I kind of went the opposite direction. Actually, once I once I started struggling with that, I actually went further away from early retirement, and so that I could enjoy today a little more.
0: Yeah, I was just doing a podcast interview with another planner that had me on her show, and we were talking about that. And I was like, I don't even like the end of anything. I love the journey that it goes through, and the harder the journey, the more excited I get about it. So, like, the idea of like retiring early is just sounds terrible to me in general. Like personally, I, I really just I I don't think i'll ever retire i will always be active i will as long as my mind allows me to do what it is then i'll always be doing it but in the fire movement you know and i guess this is like boiled down true reason why i really don't like it it's all or nothing you're you're doing this you're saving everything like you're scrimping by you know because everything is about you know eking out the last penny on everything saving whole loads of money which is great um you know i, I like you know, seeing people take control over their finances and getting excited and nerding out like that is it for me, like a dream come true to watch people take it over. But then anything in extreme is bad. Yeah,
1: it can become a bit of an idol.
0: Exactly. It drives me crazy in the extremes it is what is getting praised out on the Internet and rewarded with the likes, the shares, you know, people in, the, in their in their social feeds. You know, they're they're like, oh my gosh, can you believe that, you know, he saved 83% of what it is? And then, of course, it goes viral and then people are getting excited. And I'm like, that is bad because anything in extreme is bad. If you don't like what you're doing, you're rushing to be retired, you're doing it the wrong way.
1: Well, and and that's honestly why, like, I I don't have personal, that's not true. I have personal social media accounts, but I never check them. And the reason why that I got off them is because it's like, it's all curated stuff about like the best of everyone's possible life and how amazing it is. And no one shares that they're like, they're going through a divorce or their kids in counseling or, you know, that someone in their family is struggling with depression. Oh man, Taylor
0: yelled at me again because I did something stupid. Yeah, I'm not going to go put that on. Facebook.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, my, my wife could give you like every five minute updates about stupid things that I do or say, but yeah. So I, you know, I I think that that happens in the fire movement too, that the, the people taking control of their finances can be a very powerful motivator and a very powerful way for people to say and see that, Oh, I can do this too. If they can do this, I can do this. And I think that that part is always great in any financial movement. You know, if you're not there yet, then you haven't achieved the goal. And it's like, hold on, like, you you can reap the power of financial independence far before you get to that final goal, and still enjoy the journey along the way. And you know, I just I just get fearful that people are going to you know really bust their tail and you know put the work in for six to ten years and live on nothing um, just to get there and find out that it doesn't make them happy.
0: Right, and I look at it, it's like, what are you retiring to, right? So if you're going to leave medicine, and what what are you going? Where what, what is it like? Are you going to just sit on the beach and kick your feet up? Awesome, go do that for a month and see if you like it. I would go nuts within maybe. 15 seconds.
1: I was having this exact conversation with my wife today. The more I think about this, the more that like when I'm just sitting still doing nothing, I'm extremely dissatisfied. I, humans are meant to be productive. We're meant to be doing stuff. And so it, even if you do early retire from from medicine and you know medicine doesn't have to be a calling for everybody. Medicine can be a job for some. And, and I know that it is. I know it's a job for many. And that's fine, by the way. Medicine for me is a job at times, um, a lot of the time. And so that said, when I get done, whenever I decide that is, whether it's at 45, 55 or 75, I'm gonna to have to go do something else because otherwise I just I'm not happy. I'm discontent. I'm unsatisfied, and and I think that a lot of people find that it's true for them too if they just had the experience.
0: Yeah, and I'd I'd love for you to have that experience, right? And if you're if you're going Ryan, that that is impossible in my situation. I've got you know kids and people rely on me, or hey, we're you know we're paycheck to paycheck or whatever it is. Well, fix your finances, right? I mean, I know that's why you're here, and I and I and I don't mean to be insensitive, but you know, allowing yourself to do this starts with your paycheck and it starts with your bank accounts and starts with your investments, right? You have to not allow that to get in the way. And the only way to do that is to learn about finance. And this is where now kind of transitioning to the part that I like about FIRE is that financial independence, right? Ooh, big transition. Good job, Ryan. And we had Chris Mamelon who was uh, writes that like, can I retire yet? And he had a article in market watch which i'll make sure i put this out on social because i thought it was good it was called i followed the path to fire and learned that early retirement is the wrong goal now this is one of like those forward thinkers in the space that writes a blog literally called can i retire yet he's obviously been on the show you guys know i'm talking about and one of the things he said was i started to compare myself to others seeking to achieve financial independence and retire as quick as possible leading to regret over mistakes that i couldn't go back and change I, I couldn't have said it any better. That's why I wanted to quote it here and bring some attention to that because this is again one of the the big power thinkers in in the space. He's getting gaining a ton of traction for he just wrote a book on everything. Really smart guy, and even he's learning. Like, oops, I can't go back and fix those things. I can't go back and say, oh, I'm going to take that you know that trip with the kids over to Legoland where he might have been not wanting to do that because he wanted to save every penny he could in order to retire a year earlier than he did. So even even the forward thinkers are, most of them aren't going to come out and be exposed like Chris did, which I really, really love that he did that.
1: And, and he's one of the ones that, you know, he got there. So he, he's, he's speaking from a, a space of, Hey, I did this. Um, you know, this isn't like a theoretical, like this is what I think will happen when I get to my early retirement. Like he he got there and realized that it wasn't the right goal and that, you know, he really said that finding happiness has to do with being on the path to financial independence and that is the right goal. And I think that I found this to be true in my own life too, you know, speaking from someone that writes about using financial independence to battle burnout. When we got rid of our debt outside of our mortgage, which we're still working on, but when we got rid of that, all of a sudden our monthly expenses were low enough now that I don't need the money that we have coming in, and that started blowing people's minds at work because they're like, "Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on! You're 34 and you don't want to work more to make more money?" And I'm like, "No, I want my time. I want to be able to go to my kid's soccer practice or go to my little girl's gymnastics or you know not miss the soccer game on Saturday or the football game tailgate that you know we we experience with our with our family and our close friends." You know, and so like that happened; those opportunities happened two years into my journey towards financial independence and I'm not there yet. I'm not even, you know, I'm probably 10% of the way by the numbers and yet I still could reap some of the rewards and the happiness and contentment that financial independence can provide without not yet being there because we paid off our debt, which is part of getting to financial independence. See, that provided a ton of freedom for us and and we're not there. So like, you know, I, I've completely seen Chris's message, you know, become true in my life. Yeah. I mean,
0: we're, we're not there either. We still have debt uh, on the house. Uh, that we have, but uh, we're debt-free, quote-unquote, otherwise, uh, which is, it always makes me laugh. And that, yeah, I'm debt-free. Oh, but I have a...
1: Except geez. the mortgage. Yeah,
0: that's, that's everyone's big except. Uh, that doesn't mean you're debt-free. It just means you only have the mortgage. Uh, and Chris, in the article, I wrote this one down because I also liked it. Getting your net worth to zero begins to give you options. And for physicians, that is a huge, huge, huge accomplishment. Um, it's a huge feat to do that. And I'm a fan of celebrating, you know, small and big wins, and getting to zero is a really big deal. And I think you should. Uh, now, I don't say, uh, "Hey, we got to zero; our net worth is break even. Let's go take a twenty thousand dollars vacation." Not saying that, but I'm saying to reward it, and it, it always reminds me. And Taylor hates this. And I told her, "Hey, we we paid off your student debt; like the last payment is done." It was, she just goes, "Oh, okay, I'm like no big deal." No high five. No. No, like, hey, let's go out and have a coffee. Nothing. Because she knew it was going to happen. And I'm telling her, look, honey, this is a huge deal, right? This is like when we got to, to, to even, this is a big deal. Well, I knew we were doing this. We had our plan put together. And so I I have a while, so I'm like, stop, celebrate, like get excited over, even if it seems silly and you, she's always looking at me like, oh, you're an idiot. But even the small stuff, like it really helps in from a behavioral side. That's why the, you know, when you're paying down debt, the snowball versus avalanche method, right? Exists. One is math and tells you this is the way to do it. The other is behavioral. Once you eliminate one piece of debt, you get excited. It's almost like gamification,
1: right? Yeah. No, I completely agree. I've I've written a post on, you know, to 10 milestones to financial independence and and celebrating along the way when you get to those markers and one of them is a net worth of zero. I mean, that's such a big deal. And I mean even just having positive momentum is a big deal like where the numbers aren't growing anymore they're actively going down like I remember being excited about that yeah it, it it's uh it's something worth celebrating and I really do think that one of the interesting things about debt that financial independence and working towards that will teach you is that you don't realize like you think you realize how big of a burden that is carrying it but then when it's finally gone like the freedom that you get to experience from that is just so refreshing. You finally realize that really was weighing me down a lot. It's kind of like when you're sleep deprived and, you know, you've been getting five hours a night, six hours a night of sleep for like a couple of weeks. And then you finally get like a weekend or a week off and you get like eight hours of sleep for a few nights in a row. And then you wake up and you're like, wow, I feel human. Like, you know, I feel it's like you didn't even realize how tired you were those two weeks because you're, you were just kind of in the midst of it. But then when you finally get the rest and the you know, the restoration that you need, you're like, wow, you know, and my wife, ironically when i do that we'll say things like oh there's the guy i married which always makes you feel just awesome um but uh <laughs> that's, that's the same way debt was for us like when we got rid of him, i'm like wow that really was weighing me down a lot that was stressing me out and now this is just fantastic i feel like i have freedom
0: yeah uh, we're gonna have to make sure you get sleep then that's the way that works but
1: yeah i turned into a cranky monster
0: yeah that's all right I'm sure Taylor is, you know, when she hears this yelling in the car, He so does he. Yeah, I really like the five part. And I think that everyone needs to realize that all of our goals, whether you call it or not, or even realize it or not, like that's everyone's goal is financial independence, right? Most people think when I hit age 65 or 67, I'll retire. Well, if you retire at that point, you have to be financially independent and some people want it earlier. Some people want it later. It doesn't matter truly when you want it, just know that that's the goal. And it's going to give you a lot of options. Uh, it'll allow you to switch jobs if you need to, um, you know, not take those extra calls or whatever, even though we're not at financial independence. It's what allowed me to start my business. We've, you know, always been the couple that saved one salary and spent one. And by saving her salary, it was giving that expectation that, you know, what I could do in that journey that I could go on because wh- where I was, I wasn't happy. And our newborn Wyatt, even though he's five now. You know, I was working 7 to 7 and I never saw him and I was like this isn't worth it like yeah, at all. So, I had that good behavior and thankfully so did Taylor in order to save one spend one. But again, even though I'm not at FI uh yet, you know, career-wise I am and that's what is really important to me.
1: I guess my one key takeaway from this is that if you are not content right now, fire early retirement is not going to magically make you content. And so you have to find a way to be happy with where you are right now, to find that, you know, that job you were talking about earlier, to find the the work-life balance that you need and to use financial independence to do that. To use financial independence as a tool, but financial independence, early retirement, FIRE all together like none of that is the goal. Financial independence is a tool to help you find that contentment that you are looking for, you know, more time with your kids or, you know, the right amount of work that to feel productive but not to feel just kind of stressed out all the time. Like that is what financial independence allows you to do. But regardless, if you can't find contentment today, it's not going to magically happen if you reach these goals, no matter what they are later.
0: And speaking of kids, let's transition that into our journal club.
1: I'm really interested to hear this one, by the way. Why? I was reading this article and I just, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I want to hear why Ryan picked this one.
0: Okay. Well, let's do it. So in our journal club, we're discussing an article that was posted on healthyfoodhouse.com titled, Should Children Be Taught How to Grow Food as Part of Their Schooling? And those of you that know or maybe follow me on Instagram, we have a garden. And I've been teaching the kids about growing food and what it's like to have a garden and some chores and all that. Now, ignore the first part of this article, that they're basically uh, asking a question uh, on like should they do this because if our system collapses uh you know we should be able to grow our own food and and that's not why I chose this article Armageddon it's coming the zombies are coming grow your own food no like that's not why I chose this but i like the idea of having them learn how to grow food it it teaches quite a few lessons and so they wrote nine lessons out on why it is and I, i'll read through the nine and then we can kind of chat on it so first was responsibility that they care for the plants themselves. Uh, second was reasoning and discovery. So they can learn basically the science of plants and animals and all that, which is a huge thing. My son was not into it. As soon as we started seeing it, he finds these caterpillars and he gets so excited. And I'm like, yeah, get them because they eat all our ding plants. The physical activity was their their third point, right? To do fun things. I just like getting them outside in a way that they're playing and having fun and getting dirty and you know, using their fingers and, just, you know, just having a good time and they're not trying to ask, can we watch TV uh, or, you know, can he do something else? So the fourth one was understanding, right? They learned cause and effect, which was cool. Uh, the fifth one was creativity. So discovering something new uh, and exciting ways to grow food and where food came from. Their sixth one was nutrition, which is obviously why most people start a garden, right? So you can understand how, where food comes from, but also get nice, healthy, organic, nutritious food self-confidence. I thought that was interesting one uh, where they can achieve their goals and enjoy the food that they have grown. The love of nature was number eight and cooperation was number nine where it's shared played activity. And again, kind of revolves around some teamwork. So I think the biggest one that they're missing here is patience. And that is something that I am finding is very hard to teach my kids. And that is why I think it was interesting that uh, they they left that one out because gardening doesn't happen overnight. And in our world of instant gratification, you know, it's growing. No pun intended. It's really hard to find ways to teach our kids about being patient. And I did a whole show with Nick True on this one. I love I love the article because there's different ways to teach them, but a lot of it does come back to finance. And yeah, that's
1: so why I chose. it. It's kind of cool. So we we used to have two above the ground garden boxes at our, our last house. We haven't done that here yet, just because we're still kind of getting acclimated. But my kids loved it, you know. And they'd go outside and you know look at the zucchini and see you know how much they've grown or like they have leaves now and then you know and follow along every day and and they kind of thought it was pretty neat watching something that they put in the ground grow. And it did take patience. It's uh, it's an interesting process because you do learn a lot. It's it's like it's kind of similar to you know sports where you know playing sports teaches you a lot about life, um, you know, gardening in some ways does too, right? You know, investing takes patience. It takes you sticking to the plan. It takes you cultivating and it takes you, you know, making a plan in the first place. And so I found this interesting, but it, it's just completely ironic to me because I, I like for the last, I don't know, two years, we have a friend that is a dietitian, and she's very much into plant-based eating. And I think it's really fascinating the stuff that, that they talk about, but I grew up not eating like any vegetables ever. Like- You're a doctor now. Oh man. But, and I, and I think 20 years from now, bro, I I think that there's gonna be so much research out there about what we put in our bodies and how, how that actually impacts our health. Um, not just like in a caloric intake and obesity kind of way, but in like specifics, but, um, and she being the dietitian, knowing the research on all this stuff, it dives into that all the time. And so I'm trying really hard to like eating vegetables and I'm getting a lot better at it. But one of the things that actually helped me in that was having a garden because i was like i grew it i need to eat it and i thought it was pretty cool now i'd pick the stuff that i was more likely to like um, but my my kids loved it too and um and so it's kind of a you know cool parent kid activity
0: yeah i mean it's a really fun experience and the kids they like so we have several gardens in the front and the back um, raised planter boxes we have trees and all sorts of fun things and you know the kids have chores right they got to pick weeds they got to water you know and they're eating what we grow and that's one of the things i tell my son and he Like some vegetables, but not all. And so I'm like, we're going to plant carrots and you're going to eat the carrots. And he's like, okay, I like carrots. And then, you know, I go to, you know, try to. Get them to eat carrots. He's like, I don't want carrots. I'm like, well, you grew them in your garden. Oh, you're right, dad.
1: Yeah, I like carrots too. And they have like lots of oil and like cinnamon and sugar. That's, that's not how that works. I know. I just, I, I can't. I
0: try. But one of the reasons I did choose this article is because people can relate to gardening. They get it. Even if you're not a gardener, you understand the concepts, right? Of you plant something, it takes time. You have to nurture it. It gets sun. It needs all the things. And then eventually you can harvest it. Well, your investments work the same way. And I don't want you to get frustrated if you are starting your investing career, if you will, and it's very little money and you're, I don't want you to take way more risk than you should. So you can see a bigger balance. I want you to understand the thought of it going in and as you're giving your investments water and nutrients and sun and all this good stuff you need to be researching and studying and understanding the basics of investing and how it can grow so it's not done by investing in the hot you know stock it's not done by options and futures trading it's not done it's not miracle grow it's not miracle grow yeah it's not cnbc and listening to kramer you know say sell 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 buy 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 yeah it's just not how that works right it's just no you need to do it over time and we talk you know broad indexed, you know, investing and passive investing. And we have done many shows on, so I don't need to get too much into the weeds. No pun intended. Uh, I love doing the no We're so punny today. Ah, It's, it's the fire movement. It's just setting
1: me on fire. It's spreading. Oh, wait, we shouldn't talk about that.
0: So, well, I'll make sure to tag the, you know, the Healthy Food House article on our social media so you can find it quickly if you want to check it out and, you know, assuming that you're following us. And if you're not following Jimmy's crazy uh, acronym on social, I'll make sure to tag him at financial residency and you can do that. So, thank you so much for being here guys. We've had a blast doing it. We would love feedback by the way. You know, Jimmy and I sit here and we talk a bunch and you know like, well, did they like these topics? Do they want to hear more on behavioral? Do they want to hear, you know, more topics on, you know, deep into the weeds of, you know, how you do certain things. You know, we'd really love some feedback on you know, what we're talking about, what we're doing, like we we don't have a schedule. It's not like the Monday show where I've planned out, you know, six, eight, 10 months of, of shows. Like Jimmy and I are kind of experimenting with different types of shows. We'd really just like some feedback on what you want to hear. So you can email me, ryan at financialresidency.com, or you can email Jimmy. What is your email even?
1: The easiest one is thephysicianphilosopher at
0: gmail.com. There you go. Bombard him too with feedback. We would love to hear it. Even if you're like, hey guys, the show stinks. Like we want to hear that. And then we're going to ask you, what can we do to make it better? So we'll just email that as well. But we definitely want to hear topics, what you want to hear on. But thank you so much. We know you have a ton of places to go listen to content. And we are happy to have you here, part of our community. So have a great week and see you guys on Friday.
1: Take care.